Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, hey! Manic Monday nearly in the rearview mirror. Heading into not just a giving Tuesday, but I think if you are in a giving mood, it could be a terrific Tuesday. It's After Hours on CBS Sports Radio. We've already got a lot of responses to the question of the worst owners in pro sports. On our show Twitter, After Hours CBS, or on my Twitter, A-Law Radio, and then lots of you weighing in on our Facebook page. It's really funny to me that Jerry Jones is a popular answer because I look at the Cowboys and I think, all right, uh, I wouldn't mind having Jerry Jones as the owner to my team, <laughs> considering that they're almost always relevant and the defense they put together is world-class. They've got a stadium in which they haven't lost in 13 home games in an incredible atmosphere. I don't know. I think Cowboys fans, the fact that they complain, they've they've got it pretty good. And don't now, be stupid. If we were talking about best owners in sports, I feel like we could also get some some awesome answers like, oh, the Rooney family in Pittsburgh would be one that I would say. Anyway, that's the question. In light of David Tepper, who I think is sabotaging his own franchise, who are the worst owners in pro sports? Twitter, our Facebook page, and then our phone number, 855-212-4227. That's 855-212-4CBS. We haven't even gotten to Monday Night Football yet. It was a barn burner of sorts. Four interceptions from Josh Dobbs, although I think three of them were tipped. (laughs) So one of them he throws outright. Three of them were tipped by his own receivers. They actually did have the lead in the fourth quarter when we saw Justin Fields fumble on back-to-back possessions and the Vikings finally get into the end zone. It was the only touchdown of the game. But inside the two-minute warning, the Vikings, whose defenses changed, rebuilt, a lot stuck here. They're trying to prevent Justin Fields and the Bears from driving for what would be a game-winning field goal. Bears 7-16 on third down. It's third and 10 from the Vikings 49. Field straight drop. Trailing 10-9. Fires over the middle. Caught. DJ Moore at the 25. Bounces off Byron Murphy at the 20. Drags Vikings inside the 15. And he's taken down at the 12. It is a reception of 35 yards for DJ Moore. 
And Kevin O'Connell uses his first of three timeouts. DJ Moore uncovered on the newest, biggest play of the game. Cairo Santos will attempt to kick the Chicago Bears into the winner's circle for the fourth time this season. Patrick Scales is the snapper as we have a Viking running onto the field late. That's Andre Carter. That's always super comfortable. Trenton Gill holds. Cairo Santos from 30 right hash. Snap spot. Santos's kick is up and he made it. With 10 seconds to go in the game, the Chicago Bears have a 12-10 lead. That's the voice of Paul Allen. He is longtime radio announcer, longtime radio play-by-play for those Minnesota Vikings, also K-Fan in Minneapolis. And yeah, it was a tough go, but he brings the energy. And we're excited that he's still on adrenaline, though. I've heard it on good authority, actually, because I listened to the game, that his voice could use a break. So we're going to grab what time we can with you, Paul. I'll just start out with a wide-open question after Monday Night Football. What happened? First of all, good chatting with you. And um, secondly, the you know, four interceptions, I mean, you know, whether they're tipped or, you know, whether I – I mean, just if you turn the ball over four times, you're, you're probably going to lose. So if you look at the last two games, uh, the, the Vikings had four picks tonight. And in the Denver game, we go minus three in the take give. And we lose by a point. Mm. So just look at that. I mean, we have seven turnovers in the last two games, and we've lost by a combined three points. And in those games, the defense has has held the adversary to nine field goals. <laughs> I mean, it's just it, it's. I mean, I've done this a long time, and this is just one of the craziest, most topsy turvy Viking seasons I've ever been part of. Isn't that how they started the season with a seven to one turnover ratio as they were trying to figure it out yeah. as they were going zero and three? Well, I mean, Kevin O'Connell's nineteen and ten in his tenure as head coach of the Minnesota Vikings, and I adore that man. I mean, he has elite intentions. Mm-hmm. He's incredibly smart, and just the spirit that came into our building last year and still is there. You know, I just really have a lot of respect for Kevin. Um, so, you know, I want to see him do incredibly well. And the best way to do well is to not turn it over. Think about this. During the O'Connell regime, Amy, the, the Vikings are 16-0 and 0 when they win the turnover battle with O'Connell. Wow. I mean, that could be plus one, plus three, whatever. And, and, and you know, so now, you know, like where it goes from here is when, when, when you have a, a week 13 bye, you know, you played 12 regular season games and three preseason games. The Bears did, too. Uh, so that's 15 games, you know. And, and when you do that and you do seven of them without Jefferson, you lose the hottest quarterback in the NFL to an Achilles. And, and you know, you're, you, you deal with the normal bumps and bruises of the season. But, you know, then you're on your third quarterback who created just Dobbs delirium with jumping in at Atlanta on four days rest or four days notice. And, you know, that was unbelievable. And then his home debut against the Saints was unbelievable. You know, but it, but it's starting to come back to the pack a little bit because Dobbs runs and he's good at it. And, and Cousins doesn't. Cousins passes and he's good at it. Now, Josh can pass too. But to, to reconfigure an offense that was completely designed for Kirk Cousins with no bye week, it 
absolutely hit its threshold tonight or Monday night. What are they asking Josh to do as the quarterback who, as you point out, steps into an offense that's not designed for him? Well, it's a terrific question because, you know, in the first game against Atlanta, Josh, you know, he got here, he was, they, they traded for him on a Tuesday, he gets there on a Wednesday, we play on a Sunday at Atlanta. And, you know, so therefore he's running what's known as the scout team. So he's running basically the Atlanta offense, and he's mimicking Desmond Ritter and or Taylor Heineke. Um, so therefore he's not getting the play calls. Well, now all of a sudden Jaron Hall's knocked out early and Josh has to go in. So O'Connell, like when he was giving him the plays, it seriously, instead of it being like blue 126, Buffalo 7 heaven, like that kind <laughs> of stuff, it was it was like, all right, so here's the call. Now, Powell is going to run a shallow cross. Uh, Addison's going to run a nine. And, and he's flying through it. And then the communication cuts out at 15. So he couldn't even get them all in. Right. And yet, yet, job, the, yet Dobbs captured the imagination of the nation. And so, so now what they're asking of him, four games into it, his third start for us, 13th overall, is there was a lot of pocket passing tonight. And I don't know if it was the Bears keeping him in the pocket. He only ran for 11 yards, which is ridiculous. But he, he is being kept in the pocket, either by design or by the adversary keeping him there. And I just don't think that's who he is, personally speaking. To see what he did those first two games without any knowledge was really incredible. So I'd love to know what the atmosphere was like in that first home game uh, in which the the Vikings won and he was making just his second start. Well, it was unbelievable. But, I mean, you know, that that's, a, <clears throat> that's exactly what we were talking about, where those first two games, you know, it's okay to run willy-nilly because you've only been here a week and change. And even if you're a rocket scientist, no pun intended, it, it still is going to be the nuance of what's expected in the National Football League offense ain't easy to learn. And so, therefore, if you should see, like, like when Josh ran, well, those, those weren't designed to plays. You know, in fact, when he ran for a touchdown in the Atlanta game, his first touchdown with the Vikings, mm-hmm. T.J. Hawkinson was wide open middle of the field in the end zone for a touchdown. You know, I think the, the offensive play calling head coach would probably prefer the pass to go to T.J. than his quarterback running in from 18. But so now we get to games three and four. And, you know, when you're, when you're at Denver, you're on the road on Sunday night football, and then you're at home against the Bears defense that, by the way, is heading the right direction. And they got some unknown players, man, who, you know, the league doesn't know a lot about, but, but they, they have some nice young players on that defense. You know, it's now more uh, scripted, and, and it's, it's more constrained within the scheme and the offense and all that. And he's just regressed. So O'Connell, offensive coordinator Wes Phillips, quarterbacks coach Chris O'Hara, and the rest of the group on offense, they need the bye week. And, you know, sad, sadly for them, because it's been a grind for these coaches, too, who go 70, 80, 90 hours a week. Well, they're, they're not going to get as much R&R as they originally thought they were because they have to rework this thing and they have time to do it. Rework it to complement and amplify what the new quarterback does. Or if you're bored with a running quarterback, then <laughs> you just go back to Jaron Hall 
or Nick Mullins. So, man, we got some decisions to make, don't we? Hmm. Paul Allen, you recognize that voice from the Vikings radio network. Always brings great energy and humor to the broadcast, so I enjoy listening to him. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence, CBS Sports Radio. We haven't heard much other than Justin Jefferson not ready. Could the bye mean that we see him afterwards in week 14? Yeah, I, I, I've kind of felt the entire time, you know, over the last month that it, it was about 20% Bears Monday night football, 80 after the bye, to, to, so you can buy that extra time. So, you know, they, they've had games, the last two games against Denver and Chicago, I'm telling you right now, I mean, if they have Justin, they're going to win those games. But you know what? In fairness, though, it is difficult to say that because turnovers have just been terrible this year, Amy. You know, it, it, it's you know we're 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 killing the box and we fumble at the two and lose the game, and then we go to Philly. JJ, I mean, winning at Philly, yeah, that's really easy. JJ <laughs> dives for the end zone to put the Vikings in a great position to win the game, and it's that pylon. What the Eagles get the ball? What? It's that weird rule. You know, then we get the Chargers. And, you know, our cornerback, Caleb Evans, has an interception down by the goal line to win the game. And not only does it bounce out of his arms, it goes into the arms of Josh Palmer, a wide receiver for the Chargers, then they win. So, I mean, whether it's like these 14 fumbles, um, fumbles or fumbles lost we had at one point of the season to the four picks Monday night, is turnovers have been the common thread of the 2023 Minnesota Vikings. And if they don't stop, they won't win a game the rest of the year. Obviously, Kirk Cousins was a big loss, especially the way he he was playing. Any shots in the dark about what happens when the season is done with Kirk? That's a good question. Um, yeah, I adore Kirk. I've gotten to know his father, Don, uh, pastor in Orlando, uh, quite well. I mean, I really, really like those guys and what they're all about. And I'd love for Kirk to be the quarterback here the rest of his career, quite honestly. You know, so the Achilles pops, and then you got to start thinking business a little bit, where he might not be back until, what, April, May, June, something like that. I don't right. know. You know, but now you're thinking, all right, well, you know, it's, it's you know, not nothing personal here. It's business, but that may cut the rate as to what you thought you would have to pay him. Um, and Kirk wants to finish his career here. So then Dobbs comes in, and now all of a sudden we're running for 60 a game with the quarterback. And I've called Vikings football 22 years, including Dante Culpepper, who could run a little bit. I've never seen anybody run for the Minnesota Vikings as a quarterback the way Dobbs did in those first two games. So now you become smitten with, hmm, all right, well, if he can throw just 60% on completions with, with, this, with these legs, which are, God, with the, which are God's gifts for him, I mean, he's good at it and it's natural. And if you can break the pocket with him and threaten the run legitimately with Justin, Addison, and Hawkinson, you're going to be on to something. So hopefully that's the case in in 13 days, 12 days, 13 days, when when we go to Vegas to play the Raiders. We know what happens when you're constantly changing quarterbacks. Yeah. And look at the NFC situation, Amy. I mean, you know, the Vikings into tonight had six conference wins. All right, so they have six conference wins. I mean, they're still in a wonderful position to become one of those wild cards. But now all of a sudden, you know, McVay gets Kyron Williams back. Cooper Cup eventually is going to catch stride. Uh, Nakua is is quality stock and, St- and Stafford's high end. You know, so so now all of a sudden they're sneaky. Well, now Green Bay is going to Ford Field and embarrassing the Lions on Thanksgiving. 
You know, so now all of a sudden Jordan Love's starting to feel good about himself. And Rashawn Gary, personally speaking, I don't think he's ever played better. Um, so now we got those teams on our heels for the wild card, and I ain't tripping on that. I mean, we, we kind of killed Green Bay early in the year, and we'll beat them again. Um, uh, what is New Year's Eve at U.S. Bank Stadium? So I ain't tripping on them that much. But the Vikings are still, despite all the turnovers, no Jefferson for seven games, losing the hottest quarterback in the game to an Achilles, and dramatic change down to your third quarterback. They're, they're still in an excellent spot to make the playoffs as a wild card team. But the, the caveat there is, I mean, if these Niners keep playing like they're playing, <laughs> likewise for the Eagles, and you're that third wild card and you got to go out to Levi Stadium, I mean, yeah, I take it because it's a playoff game and you got a chip chair and a chance. But see, that's where these turnovers and losing by one at Denver and two to the Bears and 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 just running the Chargers up and down the field and losing the game, same with the Bucs that they just needed one or two of those to go their way. And so far they didn't get them. Paul Allen is with us following Monday night football and a two point loss in which the Chicago bears only had field goals. What about the lions? What stands out about that team? Cause that right now is the leader in the division. I have just such a high level of respect for their offensive line from Decker over to Sewell, uh, Frank Ragnow, Chan in Minnesota. I've known Frank for years, quality individual, one of the two or three best centers in the NFL. Their offensive line, it just hasn't played as well in some of these games that I've watched back. And I watched back their game against the Bears really closely because we had the Bears next. And um, and then I watched Thanksgiving, and, and it's just different. There's just a different vibe right now with, um, with their pass defense and their offensive line. But um, I have immense respect for Detroit. I picked mm-hmm. them to win the division into the season. I still feel they're going to win the division, you know, and, and, and who knows? I mean, we still got them twice, but maybe we get into a spot where they win the division and we hook them in the first round of the playoffs. I'd take that. So the Vikings sitting 6-6 six and six heading into their bye. What would you say are the bright spots of the season to this point? Uh, the bright spots are the um, uh, first and foremost for me. Uh, Brian Flores' defense Ooh. has, despite playing a lot of plays, and at one point tonight it was, I mean, the Bears were 80% in the time of possession to like 20% for us. It was ridiculous. Uh, Flores' defense it is as advertised. It's like, you know, when Brian got here, I mean, I knew he was a head coach of Miami and worked with Belichick in New England and was well-respected, but I didn't exactly know what he did. Well, now I've seen it, and and all, all, everybody in the NFL who told me there aren't many better than Brian at taking mediocre players and making them good, good players and making them very good, very good players like Daniil and making them high end to elite. Well, I've now seen it. I mean, we have so many players on this defense having the best seasons of their lives, and again, you know, we gave up four field goals against the Bears, five field goals to Will Lutz and the Broncos. And we've had countless moments where there's been a turnover in inside the 20, the 15, the 10, like literally right down by the goal stripe. And the defense has bucked up and either turned them over or held them to field goals. So the defense has been a shining star for this team this year. Kevin O'Connell said in his press conference after the loss to the Bears Monday night, that they just have to be more. They just have to be more balanced. It's and and that's that's coming at himself, and that's coming at the offensive side of the ball. Where 
I mean, shoot, we, we, we were hanging 30s on teams left <laughs> and right last year. So getting Justin back, reconstructing things a little bit for the new quarterback during the bye, um, I think what you see beginning in that Raiders game out of the bye, I think you're going to like it a lot. Daniil Hunter, you mentioned leading the NFL or near the top of the NFL in so many categories like sacks and tackles for loss. Man, he has been a wrecking ball. You know, Kevin's in his 30s. So, you know, we're not talking, you know, curmudgeonly, you know, crotchety, <laughs> old school coach. Um, so, therefore, he just handles players of this generation a little differently, you know, than a lot of people over the history of the NFL. Now, with that said, you know, Kevin, he does stuff like this. And I'm not saying it's purposely calculated, but Kevin's very smart and he's going to have a fantastic career as a television analyst. Uh, whenever his head coaching career is done, he's that sharp. Uh, but, you know, like Daniil Hunter was sacking the quarterback left and right earlier in the season. And when Kevin would talk about him in his press conferences, he he would praise his, his run defense. And Daniil's run defense this year has never been better, and it was unbelievable tonight against the run-first team on Monday night. But, um, you know, so he didn't take the low-hanging fruit. He empowered the individual – with something that was non-obvious that nobody was talking about. When your coach who runs that line of father figure slash boss praises something that you've been working hard at but nobody's talking about, that's the kind of nuance that O'Connell brings that gets the best out of everybody, helped us win all those one-score games last year by empowering Everybody, I mean, winning from the bottom, you know, with players who didn't play that much. And he's just very innately good at that. And it's natural, it's organic, and it's authentic. And that's what he's done with Daniil, and Daniil's never played better. Paul Allen needs to take the bye and rest his voice, although he's a hardworking man, so he doesn't doesn't often take time off. But the voice of the Vikings, I don't know if we'll talk to you again before the holidays. Crazy enough, it is now the holiday season. So thank you for a couple of minutes. It's always good to have you. Uh, When it's between 1 and 5 a.m. Central, after an arduous kind of boring, weird game, If Amy Lawrence sends a text and I don't fall asleep and take a nap because I'm tired and forget about it, here we are heading into Tuesday together, and that's a beautiful thing. I'm not going to tell you why he mentions falling asleep and forgetting about it, but it may have been that the last time we invited him on the show, he sort of stood us up, but he has made amends and we're, we're good to go. Paul Allen, always energetic, always enthusiastic, and always full of humor and authentic opinions and reaction. Interesting to hear what he says about Kirk Cousins, whether or not Kirk will be back next year with the Vikings. It may be the team's decision now that they've seen the potential of a running quarterback. Now, I don't know how many people out there would tell you Josh Dobbs is a better option than Kirk Cousins. However, the system was built for Kirk. But did you also hear what Paul said in the middle of that interview? Kirk wants to finish his career in Minnesota. He wants to. On Twitter, A-Law Radio, on our Facebook page too, we're getting a ton of responses to the question of the night. The worst owners in pro sports. 
it's a good chance we get through this and we probably have the majority of fan bases who've weighed in to say theirs is the worst. <laughs> a lot of Commanders fans are thrilled that they no longer have the worst, but we're getting some Dan Snyder responses too. And then if you haven't yet voted for Monday MVP, please check it out. Still an hour left in that voting. What else? Oh, we'll have the TD of the Week candidates as well. We're all about it. It's week 12. It's now in the rearview mirror. So is Thanksgiving, and we are hurtling forward to December. Whoa. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence on CBS Sports Radio. You are listening. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. To the After Hours Podcast. It's a touchdown Tuesday on After Hours. Firing for the end zone. Caught. Touchdown. Touchdown. Takes it himself to the pylon. Touchdown. One man to beat 10. He's gone. They throw in the end zone. Caught. Touchdown. Made a guy miss. He's inside the five. He's to the three to one. Tom Stubbs. Feather something into the end zone. To cast your vote for the TD of the week, head to at After Hours CBS on Twitter or give us a call at 855-212-4227. The Indianapolis Colts. 7.45 to go in the fourth quarter. The Colts lead by three. Menchie goes out of the gun, ball between the hash marks. Taylors is back to the right side. Isaiah McKenzie is the slot receiver to the right. Shotgun snap. Gives it to Taylor, and he backpedals his way in. Touchdown, Jonathan Taylor. Two rushing touchdowns today for JT. Colts extend their lead. It's 26-17 to as the confetti flies here at Lucas Oil. The Atlanta Falcons. Play fake by Ritter. Blitz coming. He's going to lob it for Robinson, who makes the catch. Touchdown, Atlanta. Holy smokes. They blitz Werner, the linebacker, and all of a sudden, Desmond just looped that Jesse up in the air to Bijan Robinson. This is a tremendous read by Desmond Ritter. He realizes he's got a free runner at him, but he also knows he's got man coverage, and with the linebacker in his face, just threw it up in the air like a pat-and-go throw. And what a beautiful read by the young quarterback. The Baltimore Ravens. Lamar in the shotgun. He sends Zay Flowers wide to the right. Now he brings Flowers in motion to the left. He gives it to Flowers on the jet sweep. He cuts inside the numbers. He's in the 30, 20, 10, 5. Touchdown, Ravens. The Zay is in the board. And the Ravens knock out the Chargers in L.A. 
the Philadelphia Eagles. Three receivers left. Now Swift goes in motion. Hurts on a quarterback draw. He's at the five. He's in. Touchdown. The Eagles win. Hurts does it again. Oh, my God. Hurts does it again. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? He's amazing. Yo, there's a party at Lincoln Financial Field. And the Eagles are 10-1. and one. What a win. You're what all, a win. You're all invited. There's a party here at Lincoln Financial Field. On the dreariest, coldest, dampest night, this team doesn't know how to lose. This team cannot be denied. Merrill Racing Company on Eagles Radio. Yeah, Jalen Hurts with four of his career high five touchdowns in that Eagles overtime victory against the Bills coming after halftime. And that includes the go-ahead, well, that includes the game winner, the go-ahead touchdown in the extra period in which he just bully runs it right into the end zone from 12 yards out. Also, Zay Flower, second touchdown of the game for the Baltimore Ravens to bury the Chargers on Sunday night football in L.A. They moved to 9-3 and three as they hit the bye. And if you missed my conversation with Rob Long, that's on our show Twitter and our podcast, everything else. Uh, so that was Jerry Sandusky on Ravens Radio. Bijan Robinson on the Atlanta Falcons Radio Network. West Durham, that go-ahead touchdown for the Falcons. And yeah, Desmond Ritter earning some praise. And then Jonathan Taylor, best game of the year after missing the first month. The Colts, they are above 500 after beating the Bucks on Sunday. And that's Matt Taylor on Colts Radio. Now, producer Jay would like to defend his choices because there are two obvious touchdowns missing from the poll. Jay, we'll let you go ahead and explain the methodology, the method behind your madness. So these touchdowns were from just the Sunday slate of games, not the holiday slate of games as well, mm. which is why the Holland and the Duran Bland are not included in touchdown it's unfortunate. Of the week, for week 12. What made you decide to do that? Uh, because that's just normally how we do TD of the week. We don't go back to the week before. This is just, I guess. The uh, week before? It's actually week 12. I know. Uh, but we, like Thursday night game, you know what I mean? So it's a Thursday night game on a Sunday. We usually technically just use the Sunday slate of games for the TD of the week. Because Thursday nights are usually crappy. Huh. All right. Well, I just want peop- I just want you to know that people are going to yell at me. So <laughs> there's no way around that. I might do a write-in vote. But those are your options for the After Hours TD of the Week. They do not include the holiday games. Marco Belletti's here in studio. Okay, the question's been out there for an hour now. We're getting all kinds of responses, as you can imagine. Worst owners in pro sports? There are quite a few, Oh, yes, there are. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot. There's the, the James Dolans of the Knicks. There's the... Uh, we talked about Tepper, Jimmy Haslam with the Browns, not exactly lighting anything up. How about Robert Nutting with the Pirates? But I feel like everybody's for second place. Behind? John Fisher with the A's. Oh, I thought you were going to say, when you said the J, I thought you were going to say Jerry Jones as well, no. and I was going to dispute that. No. Jo- there's no worse owner in all of sports than John Fisher with the A's, and I don't see how anybody can argue with me. He took the club, ran him into the ground, sells off every good player, has the payroll dirt cheap, doesn't fix a decrepit building where you've got, I mean, rodents inside the press boxes. Leaking all the time. It's disgusting. It's like an open sewer. And then you blame the fans for your move to Vegas. I'm sorry. 
There is no worse owner in all of sports. It's not even close. John Fisher of the A's. Not even close. There definitely have been a few votes for John Fisher already, as well as Bob Nutting of the Pirates, who, while he's got the best stadium in baseball, in my opinion. Mine too. uh, I love, love, love PNC Park. There's very little money invested in building a winning team. And when they do have talent courtesy of the draft or their farm system, they end up letting the guys walk or trading them before they walk because they don't want to pay top dollar for free agents. No, he's done. He's really done just an awful job because he look, I know. And that's a, that's a football town. That's a football city. And we know it. And anytime you go there, you could be in the middle of June where you don't even have the, the sniff of football yet. And everybody's still talking about the Steelers. I get it. But that doesn't mean that you don't have a rabid fan base and you don't have fans that'll come out to that ballpark when you put a winning product on the field. And it wasn't that long ago. I mean, the McCutcheon Pirates were able to make the playoffs Mm -hmm. a few years in a row. That was not that long ago. They had the buildings of a team, of a core, and he just rips it down. And after a while, your fan base just gets so disillusioned. How can you go see the losing year after year after year after year? It's disheartening. And after a while, you you have good players. And they just, you take them and you trade them off for, for more minor leaguers. At some point, you have to reinvest into your club. And he constantly takes the money from the other owners. We're talking about salary cap money. Mm-hmm. He takes it and doesn't reinvest it into the into the team itself. It's it's sickening that Major League Baseball doesn't get involved with some of these owners that don't put the money back into their clubs. Uh, Nutting's definitely a big part of that. Again, nobody's worse than John Fisher in that regard, though. Nobody's worse. And yet Major League Baseball hails this like it's an incredible new chapter for the A's. They, a- they want somebody in Vegas. I get of course, it. Yeah. I understand all that. And the A's are the perfect match to do that. Did you have to destroy a fan base that had a rich tradition and history like Oakland? I, I mean, it wasn't that long ago. I, I, I know it feels like a long time ago. And 30 years, when you say it out loud, you go, man, 30 <laughs> years. It is a long time. But it's not. We're not talking about the 1800s here. That place was packed, and they had a juggernaut. That team, I mean, it was the team of the 70s for a while. The, you know, three titles. Probably was the team of the 70s anyway. With, with three titles from 72 to 74, with the run that they had with Tony La Russa and the Canseco A's and all that. They the have Bash Brothers. a rich tradition. It was hard to go into Oakland. Now it was a ugly, disgusting ballpark right from the start. And the the fact that you had foul territory from here to eternity, I get it. Well, it had dirt in. Well, because it was yeah. with the Raiders, they were mm-hmm. sharing it, and no, none of those stadiums are good that sh- that were shared. I understand all that. You're telling me you can't build a ballpark in Oakland and have that rabid fan base come there, mm-hmm. an actual real ballpark? Like they've never seen one. Can you give them a real one so that they actually come out and have all the luxuries that every uh, other cities have with their ballpark, where it's not just the game itself? And then maybe you don't have 4,000 people in the sands. Maybe you do have a lot of people. Maybe if you reinvest into your club, because they do a decent job of drafting. I mean, Billy Bean was there forever, and he's mm-hmm. still kind of somewhat involved. You had talent. You drove it out. Mm-hmm. That's you. That's not the fan base. That's you. Well, and ultimately, that's the reason why, one of the reasons why the NFL left the stadium, and they wanted a football-only facility. And so you end up seeing both of those franchises leave and go to Vegas. As you point out, these leagues want to be in Vegas because they they recognize the attraction plus the connection and the proximity to the money. But at the same time, the stadium was the crux and the catalyst for both those teams leaving. 
And it's just, it's always funny to me because all of these, and I understand why, and they're in bed with all of this, and that's where the money and the gambling, and that's where everything is going to take it to another level. I get it. I understand. I'm not stuck in, you know, 1984. Not not always. It's just funny how it was so taboo for so long. You couldn't even mention Vegas. You couldn't mention gambling. You couldn't mention a, a, a money line or anything else. Everything felt like it was it was dirty. You were playing in like you know the the dirty end of the water. It was it was almost like you were mentioning hell. And now everybody's involved. Now everybody's hand in hand in the muck. And now it's okay because the money's okay. Now it's clean. It wasn't clean 15 years ago. It's been now laundered. it's okay. <laughs> it, it's just, it, I'm sorry. Like, I have a hard time with that because you destroyed a fan base that didn't deserve it. I understand if you said nobody came out to the games. They didn't have a tradition. They didn't have any history. Both of those teams had nothing but history and tradition. And Oakland is a damn good city when teams are winning. It's fun. People come out to the games, and you ruined it. Mm. And you ruined it for money. And in the meantime, you didn't just walk away, which is bad enough, like with the Colts going off in the middle of the, you know, in Baltimore in the middle of the night. You actually ran them into the ground first and then blamed them. I have a hard time with that. Oh, you know, it was gross. The whole thing's gross. And so lots of votes for John Fisher, who are the worst owners in pro sports on Twitter, on our Facebook page. Also, you can vote for TD of the week. Top of the hour, by the way, how I set a pie and my oven on fire uh, the week of Thanksgiving. Just you, you all are, you know, you're big fans of my baking, but I have this story that you won't believe. I promised. I promised on this edition of After Hours. You are listening to the After Hours podcast. My name is no. My sign is no. My number is no. You need to let it go. You need to let it go. You're listening to to After Hours with Amy Lawrence. Jay apparently hasn't learned the whole lesson about how you don't pursue a female on social media, at least not this one. He says, you and me, Amy, the true power couple. So I'm going to go with negative Ghost Rider. I listen to you on iHeartRadio. That's good to know. I'm glad that you take us with you when you go. I'd love to take you with me everywhere I go. That's where we cut the conversation off. I did get two marriage proposals on Twitter. Thanks. I will stay single for the rest of my life before I will accept a marriage proposal on social media. This is After Hours with Amy Lawrence. I meant what I said. Thankfully, it did not come down to that. I wasn't forced at some point to reconsider marriage proposals on social media. <laughs> it's After Hours with Amy Lawrence on CBS Sports Radio. My favorite were always the ones that followed some some type of pattern that went, you know sports and you can cook or you know sports and we could talk about them forever. <laughs> A woman who likes sports. It was always about that. Uh, just, yeah, <laughs> that foundation for a marriage. I can't imagine any reason why it would fail. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence on CBS Sports Radio. I'm still getting the question, by the way. Are you going to quit radio or some version of that? Are you going to give up your show? Are you going to continue your show? It's just a different twist on the same question. 
And it honestly, it blows me away that people are asking me that. But the answer is in my latest blog post that I wrote during Thanksgiving week. And I know a lot of you have already seen it. I just shared it again a couple hours ago on Twitter, A Law Radio. The link is also on our Facebook page. So if you would like to know my future plans, all you got to do is read. I finally answered that question. We're asking you a question as well. Well, a couple of them. What is the touchdown of the week, the TD of the week? You can vote on both of our social media sites. And we're also asking you to weigh in about the worst owners in sports. And so on our Facebook page, I've already seen a vast, vast variety. A That doesn't sound right. I've already seen a huge, nah, I don't like that either. I've already seen a plethora of answers. Just really wanted variety. I just could have gone with variety. Uh, but I got to be cute, right? I got to get cute. So the answer is really an opinion. There's no way to quantify it. But I am surprised that I have not seen Woody Johnson yet. Considering that the Jets have been stuck. They've not only been stuck in mediocrity, losing seasons for uh, quite a while now, going back to the days of Rex Ryan and a couple of AFC championship games, uh, the days of, gosh, who was the quarterback? Mark? Sanchez. Sanchez, thank you. And uh, Rex Ryan was really the last time that they were a winning franchise. Um, But nobody said Woody Johnson yet. I also haven't seen any Dean Spanos of the Chargers, which surprises me too, considering that they find creative ways to lose uh, and yet, well, and leaving San Diego, going to LA, and yet I haven't seen that one either. So we'll give you more time. Uh, Love to hear from you on our Facebook page. That's where I'm checking out some of your answers now. Let's see. Chris says, nutting all the way. And that's not like, a a variation of a Christmas song. That's Bob Nutting, the owner of the Pirates. Uh, Ron agrees with Bob Nutting. Also goes with James Dolan of the Knicks and Jimmy Haslam of the Cleveland Cavaliers. No, Browns. Browns. Who's the owner of the Cavaliers? It's Dan Gilbert. Dan Gilbert. That's right. Oh my, is he? Okay. I won't I'm just reading the ones that are here. (laughs) Uh, Patty says driving, listening to the show and laughing. I've always said, I love the A's because they train the best players and trade them off. Huh? I'm going to assume that. Oh yeah. She said Detroit Tigers fan here. So I agree with the discussion and say, John Fisher. Let's see. Matt says, Paul Dolan. Do you think he means James Dolan? He says, worst owner in my 60 years on earth. Some people are still weighing in about Jerry Jones, which I think is crazy. I don't know how you can say that. There are a lot of people out there that would like to have Jerry Jones. All right, so you can continue answering. I set a pie on fire. That's next here on CBS Sports Radio. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 